Coming to you from USL headquarters, this is Steel Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steele. October 1st, 2019. Welcome in to Steel Some Time. I'm your host, Kelsey Steele, joined by Scott Stewart and Matt Calvo. Week 30 in championship play was absolute mayhem, and we are here to break it all down for you guys today. Scott, I don't know about you, but I came in to the office on Monday just absolutely like, where do I even begin? Because there were so many pivotal results, so many, I mean, Nicholas Murray's 18, his article he does every single money, money, Monday, was the whole theme of it was comebacks for a reason. This whole weekend was based on crazy turn of events, teams pulling comebacks that you literally never thought were possible. Um, we're we're gonna break it down just between the East and the West for you though, Scott. I have to know which one. What which? What do you think was the the biggest result coming out of Week Thirty? Hard to argue with. First off, hi. 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 Hi, Scott. Oh, sorry. We just got right into it. I was so excited. You no, know? it's all good. It's spooky season. It's I get spooky it. spooky season. Um, hard to argue against Pittsburgh just absolutely walloping Indy 11 at home. I think that's probably significant. But can we then leave out Indy failing to beat Atlanta United too midweek? Because I think that probably also speaks volumes to where we're at right now in this season. And that's what's difficult, too, because right now our Saturday slates are so jam-packed. I mean, you're looking at probably 15 games or so these last few Saturdays and the ones prior. But now we're at the point, too, where five or six days of the week there are games. So there are so many games happening, really important games happening during the week that – you almost kind of forget about because by the time that the you know Monday of next week comes around, you forgot that Tuesday's game or, or Wednesday's night's game, somebody clinched that night. Like there's just so many things happening. And you mentioned Atlanta United too, and they've been able to turn some really interesting results these past few weeks. And um, you know, of course, they they drew with St. Louis on Saturday as well, which is a head, sure. a head turner, um, you know, so I don't know who's more confusing, St. Louis or Atlanta United, too. I think I can leave that one up in the air, but I think I'm with you. Pittsburgh and Indy was a very interesting me- meeting. I I just can't get a pulse in the East, yeah. Scott. I, it yeah. is just really difficult for me to get a true and true opinion on what is going on in the Eastern Conference. It, it, when you look at at Pittsburgh. You have a club right now that nobody has scored on this club in over 640 minutes. So Oof. like, okay. Wow. We've we've talked a lot about Pittsburgh and yeah, they probably had the best backline defensive unit mentality whatever you want to call it in the entire championship play. I think I can go out on a limb and say that. But to have that kind of number and then now at the point where they're also capitalizing and scoring goals. There was a point in time where, yeah, they had, you know, a a great back line and they were just defensively so strong, but they weren't scoring goals. So we're seeing this massive shift here in the last two months or so with Pittsburgh. And I think what is the craziest note to me is you have a Riverhounds club that by no means dominates games either. So just I'm going to paint this picture for you a little bit in the. Around their last five wins, so their meetings with Indy, Memphis, Loudoun, Ottawa, New York, they won those games, a lot of them 4-0, 1-0, 3-0. They didn't maintain possession in any of those. Wow. In any of those games. That is 
that it, not only to win those games, but a lot of them by a, a pretty hefty margin. And then you look at like Ottawa and Pitt game where Pitt won 4-0. Ottawa maintained 57% of the possession in that game. I mean, it just, it's mind boggling to me that not only does Pittsburgh not necessarily dominate these games per se, but they're able to capitalize on the moments when it matters the most. Mm. So now when, I, when I'm looking down in into the postseason and when we're talking about this picture as a whole, my money might be, hypothetically, because we don't do that here at the USL Championship offices, um, my, my money would probably be on Pittsburgh in those scenarios. Because when we're talking about how we can't get a pulse on Indy or New York or Tampa or Nashville, you have a club like Pittsburgh who, okay, they, they might not have that game, but they're going to get the job done. Yeah, amen. I mean, they've lost once since mid-July, which speaks on their form, certainly. But um, this is just Lily Ball at its finest. And I need to I need to talk with Mr. Lily, head coach Bob Lilly, to see whether that's even an acceptable phrase. I don't know if anyone's ever cleared that, but it's been, a term, that. It's been a term making the rounds for the last couple of years. But yeah. I mean, this guy, he he's very clinical. He's very efficient. Mm-hmm. He gets his teams to do exactly what they need to do, Kelsey, just like you mentioned, to get the job done. And that's where they're at in this stage in the season. They have a game on hand in Nashville. They are in pole position for first place. I don't even know if Pittsburgh was in our first place conversation in the last couple of weeks, but this is where we're at. And that's what happens when you've got the top five teams separated by two points in the standings. I mean, it's just if we could just draw a giant dartboard on the wall here, Throwing darts on it would just be like trying to pick results in this Eastern Conference because you could hit anywhere. It feels like they came out of nowhere, but they haven't. Yeah. They, and they only have, what, four losses? That's the all, best part. All because season? they drew – I mean, if you look at their form earlier in the season. Oh, yeah. Like – Out of their opening nine games, they drew six of them. So what do you say, guys? I mean – but that's the best part. They look like they've come out of nowhere, but if you look at their form, if you go to Championship's beautiful form guide, shout out Mark Height for putting this together. If you go to the Championship's form guide and you look at it, they've been here. They they are like one of those like, oh, you think we've out of the conversation? No, we've been here type clubs. And you got to love it, man. I mean, power to them, big win over Indy, and now it's like if they close out the Eastern Conference, the top team – going to be hard to argue against a long playoff run for them their their form is kind of like how they play yeah like they do what they need and then they sit there and let you do whatever you want and then they come out victorious at the end bob lily probably laughs at the rest of the eastern conference trying to figure each other out he's like that's so silly this notion of figuring out anyone seems ridiculous to me look at how well my team performs because we know us it's like that quote is like danger. I laugh in the face of danger. Exactly. Exactly. We'll <laughs> we'll get our graphics team to create something real just shiny and beautiful for Bob just laughing at laughing at the rest of the East right now. I mean, it is funny when you look at it, the first quarter or so of the season, they had that many draws. I had a friend text me who lives in Pittsburgh and is like, man, that would be so awesome if you could come down or up to Pittsburgh for, you know, you know like the conference final or the championship or something like that. And I was like, that that's that's not happening. It's like we're not we're not going to Pittsburgh. There's no way. And now I'm texting her the other day, and I'm like, dude, um, maybe, maybe I'll see you. I I don't know. Like it's just it's so interesting. And, and like you said, kudos to Bob. I mean, he knows what the heck he's doing. And at this point, he might have the last laugh three weeks from now. <laughs> well, even some of like my most recent memories of Bob Lilly in 2017, that Rhinos team was the closest one to stopping Louisville City in the playoffs. It was like nil nil late, late in the game until Brian Ownby lifted him. 
even last year, Louisville hadn't had lost one game all year and was unbeaten at home in nearly a calendar year. Bob Lilly's Pittsburgh Riverhounds SC come in June 27, 1-0. They get it done when they need to get it done. And that's the beauty, kind of the nightmare situation yeah. for a lot of teams going in to play them, but kind of the beauty of their simplicity. You mentioned that Louisville City FC side, and uh, they had... Oh, boy, oh, um... Boy, oh boy. We Guys, we have to go there. We're, there's that no way one. we get out of the Eastern Conference in week 30 and we don't talk about Louisville City and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Making that trip to Slugger Field, it looked like it was over, that Louisville was going to continue this stretch of just getting the job done, uh, getting, getting another three points, having another fantastic showing at home. And then all of a sudden, the Rowdies go, you know what? Nah. And just completely shut the door on all hopes for three points at home for Louisville City. They're up 2-0. And in the 87th minute, Sebastian Guinzotti steps up to the spot, knocks that one in. <laughs> then in the 89th minute, lucky Emko Sano, which I'm sorry, but like the soccer gods could not have scripted that any better. Perfect. Welcome back to Louisville by being back with the Rowdies. It's just so like – I. He, he gets a goal against his former club. It's it, it it's just too – like, I'm, we're watching this happen, and I'm like, there, there's no way. There's there's absolutely no way that what we're happening – like, watching is actually unfolding, and, and sure enough, it does. And it's just – I mean, that's a really deflating loss for Louisville. Yeah, I mean, it's just like to, to have that lead and then let the Rowdies back in through a penalty, and then your confidence is – your, your guard's just down at that point. Yeah, your guard's just down, and it just, I mean, obviously to, to let that second one in is going to be deflating, but uh, Kelsey, you and I were talking on Saturday, like, holy cow, if this Louisville team was 100% fit. Oh, my God, yeah. And I'm hoping we get that 100% fit Louisville team in October, late October, maybe November as well, but a star-studded cast, and it feels like out of the two stars above them, they really only have one right now, and that's what it feels like. What a, what a line there, Scott Analogies. Stewart. But it was funny because I messaged you and I was like, they had just flashed to the bench uh, prior to starting the game. And I see Paula De Piccolo with a, a um, penny on. I see Luke Spencer with the penny on. Um, who else did I see? George Davis. On? And George Davis. Yep. And I was like, are they okay? <laughs> like, is this, are, are they injured or are they just, they're that deep right now that those three aren't in the starting lineup? I mean, it's, it is. It's terrifying to think that if those three guys are healthy, I don't know, three weeks from now, mm -hmm. it's, it's a different ball game. Absolutely. The Eastern Conference is different with a healthy Louisville City FC. No, I mean, and, and that's kind of like the best part about Louisville is maybe they haven't shown their full hand yet. And I think a few of their fans have been rightly frustrated that this is the first time they won't finish in the, at least as we know, there's still in theory time to do this, but this will be the first time they aren't in the top two in the East in, since inception. And uh, that Louisville fan base, obviously, with two consecutive championships, holds that team in very high regard, has very high expectations for them. You've heard some disappointing rumblings out of the city of Louisville that the team hasn't performed quite to those expectations. But I feel like you also have to give them a fair shake and say that even guys like Napo Matsoso, who came on late last year, has done a really, really solid job filling in for the likes of Paolo Del Piccolo, who truly is an irreplaceable figure yeah. in that starting 11. 
they're going to need some time. Like I said, I'm really hopeful they can become, you know, as close to 100% as possible because I think that's when they are the Louisville we're used to. But time will tell. Listen, if you're Louisville, got to know that you're not the only one who suffered on Saturday night (laughs) because you head over to the Western Conference and my goodness, we have some results coming out Mm. of week 30. And, and Louisville, you know, guys, I, I can give you the number of Peter Trevisani or anyone that you want to talk to over at New Mexico United because they sure know what <laughs> knows what that uh, feeling was like on Saturday night because it looked like New Mexico United was going to do the unthinkable and, and put Phoenix in its place, um, hand them, you know, a, a loss for the first time that New Mexico would be able to do so to Phoenix and they're up 2-0, which we need to talk about both of those goals too for New Mexico United. Oh, because, yeah. Oh, God, Sandoval's volley was was just pristine. It was so gorgeous. And then to have Justin Schmidt, the finish that he had in, in the celebration, I mean, if you watch that goal and you didn't feel something, then you're missing the point altogether. That was just an incredible show that – Everything aside, this is so much more than soccer, and that goal meant so much more to him than anybody will ever know. And I, I thought that it, to happen at the lab as well. I just, it, it was, it was the coolest moment, I think, for New Mexico in, in the Schmidt family. And but, but they're up two zero, and I'm like, okay, this is happening. Phoenix is going to drop two in a row. Like what for real? And all of a sudden, Joey Calistri happened. Super sub of the year comes on. Finishes not one, but two for that 2-2 draw at the lab. And, God, you so much coming out of this game. One, Phoenix clinches with the regular season title. Congratulations to them. Shocker to no one, I think, at this point. Um, but this is now the third time that Phoenix and New Mexico have faced each other. So, of course, once in the Open Cup and then two in the regular season. New Mexico has never lost to Phoenix. Like you, we've got to remember that they are one of only two clubs who've never lost the Phoenix Rising. Yeah, that's that's an, a massive picture here when we're talking about the postseason. But also, Scott, here's my issue: Can New Mexico close out games? Is this is this what we're going to see happen? They're they're going to work their magic, get their way into the playoffs. They're going to have a lead and then just blow it. I mean, again, we just talk about consistency yeah. when we talk about New Mexico. I think that's just been the the buzzword all year. I mean, even even not closing out Saturday, like the previous week, okay, very justifiable loss to Reno. You get two wins prior to that over OKC, but lost to Orange County, 5-0 to San Antonio. And now, again, that game was different for a number of reasons, including New Mexico was down to 10 men for the vast majority of the game. But Larger issue at hand, we need this team to be consistently riding a wave. Pick your wave, ride it. You know, that's all we want out of this. But, yeah, I mean, this team has what it takes to compete at the highest level. I don't think anyone would ever question that. Devin Sandoval just gets goals. It is his day job, so we'll spare you that joke. But, uh, yeah, they're a very, very talented crew. Phoenix is equally as talented, if not much, much more so. And Joey Kalistri, I felt like... If I could put him into an emoji based on the two-goal, 20-minute sub thing and the fact that I had my recap done, I would put him as that, like, purple devil smiling emoji, just, like, laughing at me while also ruining New Mexico's 13,000 family-friendly atmosphere at the lab. Wow. Written in the stars. Seriously, though, power to him. What an incredible performance in 20 minutes off the bench. That dude deserves every bit of it. And that sequence on that second goal was insane. Oh, yeah. 
Phoenix the, is the, so good. The two shots off the post, settled it back down, and the goal he got was incredible. Yeah. It, from a, a employee of the organization standpoint, you know, you and I are we're all three on these games this weekend. So of course, there's a lot going on at one time, and I'm trying to focus on the New Mexico Phoenix game while manning all of these other things that are <laughs> going on. And I, I just I remember Joey scoring the second goal, and it took me like I don't know, maybe five to ten seconds to actually process like. Oh, oh my, oh my God, this actually happened. <laughs> and then I go, oh, Scott, poor Scott. <laughs> she even, she was even nice enough to drop in our little Slack channel like, oh, poor Scott, I had to rewrite the recap. <laughs> I was, I didn't even respond. That's how like out of it I was at that point because I'm trying to also keep an eye on the fact that Monarchs sneak one over Reno. LA beats OKC 5-1, the second to last nail in that coffin. And then this is happening in New Mexico. Circus. So much happening in, in the Western Conference. Do you think that San Antonio's win over Fresno is bigger than El Paso's win over Sacramento? That's a great question. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, no is my initial inkling. Okay. That win put San Antonio above the playoff line at this point, and I love every single club employee, fan, player down there, but at this point I'm not inclined to say San Antonio deserved to be in the playoffs, given given how they've performed recently. Good, solid win over Fresno. I still think it's very possible that San Antonio get there, but they will need a little extra help because El Paso, based on their recent form and the fact that they are our Wednesday night soccer game of the week, They've got a big opportunity to go out and get three points and distance themselves. In doing that, they would knock San Antonio out of the playoff picture. So it's it's really tough. I think El Paso's gone through their ebbs and flows, good and bad. I think San Antonio, the same can be said. I'm just inclined to tip the, the way in El Paso right now. I'm hard-pressed to argue with your San Antonio take solely because they've won two games on the road this season. I mean – how do, how do you argue with that? That's that's written set in stone. You need you need better. Uh, and we t- we have talked about this so many times. The difference in this league are the teams that can perform on the road. And and we've even you know talked about with the Rowdies a lot. The biggest difference with them this year is that they're finally able to turn points on the road compared to 2018 when yeah. they they just couldn't put it together. San Antonio, we need we need more. Well, and it's just like. I get the, that the Roughnecks game was crazy, the 4-3 that mm. Tulsa ended up winning, but, like, San Antonio, that was your game. You guys had that in control and then let Tulsa back in. It's just, like, that's what I think I'm going to need to see over the course of the next three games for San Antonio. Establish the lead, keep the lead, shut it down. You know, they know what's at stake. Obviously, you don't have to convince any one of these players in a playoff position what it means. They all are well aware. It's now just a matter of, is it too late? for a club like San Antonio to get in. They need some help. And, of course, you mentioned the Monarchs there went over Reno. They've won three of their last four and now move into that fourth split, fourth place spot in the West. So, yeah, we've got a lot of movement happening Ooh. in the West. Of course, one day later, you have Austin and Portland's meeting where Austin's able to to pull out a win there. And you know what? We thought, let's, let's talk to the guys over at Austin. Let's see what's going on. We hear the place is kind of weird, so we're going to bring <laughs> – we're going to bring in Chris Tierpak and uh, listen, 
Chris has been in the league for, for quite some time. The Fords played with a number of championship clubs, including San Antonio, Nashville, Swope Park. Now he's found a home with Austin Bull. So when we return, Chris Tierpak is going to join us. This is Chris Tierpak for Austin Bull FC, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. Welcome back into the show. Chris Tierpak is here. Chris, how are we doing today? Uh, fantastic. You know, coming off a good win on the road against Portland. So feeling great. Looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. We're pumped to have you in. And listen, you've been in and around the professional circuit since 2014. And in that time, mm-hmm. you've developed a uh, look, per se. So we'll never see <laughs> Chris without the famous headband on. So I just want to get right to it here while we get this interview going. I need to know the background behind the headband. When did you start wearing one? Because now it's one of those things where when we see you, we see the headband. It's 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 one and the same. <laughs> I guess it's my calling card around the league now. Um, but no, it's it, I'll, I'll be honest. The story's not as interesting as, as it seems. Um, back in high school, I had a lot of problems with concussions my junior and senior year. And so my dad was like, listen, at, at some point you're going to have to, you know, look to the future and either protect your head or you're going to have to, you know, stop playing soccer. So I kind of took the, took the plunge and was like, you know what, I'll wear headgear. Um, I know it's not the coolest thing, but. I don't really oh, care what, what people think about me in that respect. So as long as my head's safe, and it has been for, I'd say, the last 10 years now, um, you know, I'll continue to wear it. I love it. I totally think it's a staple. Yeah. Do you have any preferred <laughs> headband suppliers or like a local store I should be shopping at if if I wanted to match the tear pack look for, say, Halloween Ooh. this year? Uh, well, I'm going to throw out the sponsor, uh, Full 90, for you. Um, they're fantastic. Uh, in my opinion, they're the best on the market. So I think you can find those just about anywhere around town at your local sporting goods store. Beautiful. Always happy to help a Chris Tierpak sponsor. Absolutely. Scott's going to come Perfect. into our costume contest in a few weeks, and he's going to be dressed as you, Chris. The full kit. Let, let, I'll let send you know, a photo. It'll, it'll, we'll, we'll pop it off. We'll make it. sure it happens. <laughs> I love that. Chris, do you actually, it's, it's interesting that you say that, you know, that's your reasoning. Do you find it interesting that there aren't nearly as many players wearing the headbands with as many concussions that we're seeing nowadays, especially now that you're seeing the, you know, USL really take a, a step further in trying to prevent uh, the concussion epidemic and, and put policies mm-hmm. in place to help that? Uh, honestly, yeah, a little bit. I mean, for me, uh, ever since I became a bra, I've been wearing it. So it, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't ever going to go back and not wear it. Um, but a lot of people I don't think realize, I mean, fans included, I mean, players do, but fans don't, that soccer is a contact sport and you're actually allowed to use your head to, to touch the ball. And so it's dangerous. Your head's always, always, you know, vulnerable. Um, and anyway, you can catch an elbow, you can catch a head to head, you know, goalies coming out, which is my problem. Um, but so, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's shocking. I, I think it's catching traction a little bit. You know, I know uh, Tampa Bay's goalie uh, also wears one. Um, and even in the MLS, Ico Parr is wearing one now. Um, and I actually kind of had some time in, uh, when I was at Swole Park with him when he was at Kansas City. Uh, so I'm glad he's, you know, finally taking, you know, some precautions as well. Trendsetter over here. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> Listen, so many people dream about playing professionally in the city they grew up in. So few get the opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. So I have to know, with you being an Austin native, what's this experience been like for you? It, I mean, it's great. I mean, to have my friends and family at literally every single home game, you know, you, you can't ask for anything else. Um, for me, it's been uh, on the field, it's been fantastic because. I always seem to produce in my hometown, you know, and 
to score a goal in front of all those fans, you know, it's, it's great. And front row is my parents and my wife and, you know, everybody else in my family. So I always go kind of try to run up to them and celebrate with them. So it's, it's, it's great. The other part of that scenario, too, is you're you're part of building something from literally the ground up, which, again, is something else that people don't mm-hmm. have the opportunity of being a part of. What have you enjoyed the most about that experience? The fact that the expectations were high from the get-go. I mean, I've been a part of teams who have been around for a while, and they're like, oh, we want to win the league, we want to win the league. And, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult than, than teams think. Uh, for us, we came in with the expectation that, you know, listen, we want to make the playoffs right away. We didn't say we want to win the league. I mean, obviously we do, but we didn't say that. That wasn't one of our goals to begin with. Um, and we wanted to play really good soccer at home. And I think this year we've, we've, we've managed that. We've uh, we were one of the better records in the league, I think, at home. Away, we've kind of struggled, but hoping to flip that around. But, I mean, it, it, it's great for us to, to kind of start from ground zero. So there's every, there's new relationships, you know, as soon as people came in, you know, you have to, you have to bond together quickly. And for us, I think it's happened great. I need to hear a little bit about uh, Coach Serrano as well. He seems like <laughs> such a chill dude for one. But on Sunday, Lima scores the go-ahead goal and runs, <laughs> runs straight to Coach to celebrate, yeah. which also is hilarious. He runs straight for the sidelines to Coach. And <laughs> it just seems he is so fired up. What has it been like for you to have somebody like that at the helm? Because I think that we have so many guys in charge who really go for that cool, collected nature. You know, they're not trying to show anything exactly, for 90 exactly. minutes. And he just, he seems like he's the polar opposite. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the perception of, of what we're trying to do here at Austin Bolt. You know, we kind of don't really care what people think about us. You know, we're going to come in, we're going to do our job every single day and hopefully get a result. And for him, he's he's going he's gonna to be who he is. And, and I like that. I like somebody who's not afraid to be who he is. I don't want somebody, to, you know, to be the stereotypical cool guy. You know, I want I want emotion. That means he cares, in my opinion. Do you feel like the guys in the locker room feed off that energy? Definitely, definitely. I mean, we know when we're playing bad, and we know when we're playing good. And you know, he's always there to pick us up, and he's always there, you know, kind of keep us level headed. So for us, it's all about going out there and just, you know, doing the best we can, not only for him, but for the other our other teammates as a whole. You're doing pretty well right now, and we've talked <laughs> we've talked a lot about this year, especially and how weird that fourth to the fourteenth place spot in the Western Conference has been. Oh my gosh, the, yeah. You know this entire season, and it it literally seems like every other day the rankings and momentum just completely shift. Why mm-hmm. do you think it's been so difficult for clubs in the Western Conference to solidify those spots this year? I think it just goes to show the quality of the league. I mean, if, if you look around, there's guys that have been all over the world on every single team who've played at the top divisions in, in countries throughout the world, uh, MLS, who are looking for, for, for places to play. And for us, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's big because it, day in and day out, you, you go against good competition, and that only makes you a better player. So I think you can kind of see the growth as a league. I mean, Phoenix is on a whole other level right now, so we'll exclude them, but everybody else is, has been relatively close pretty much all year. And it it's, makes every single game important. It makes every single game count for something. It makes that postseason picture look awfully fun. Uh, exactly. In, in exactly. the coming weeks. It's right around the corner. And you said earlier that that's one of your guys' goals when you mm-hmm. started Awesome Bold FC. And you're in that fifth place spot right now. You're you're in prime destination. What does Awesome Bold need to do to make a serious run for the trophy? I think we just need to continue to build off the momentum we've started these last two games. I mean, two 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 wins in a row, one home, one away. Um, 
we're, like we said, we're in the final stretch of the season. There's only three games left for us. Uh, unfortunately, they're all on the road. But we're hoping to kind of turn a new page here. We're, we want to get those road victories that have kind of eluded us throughout the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so for us, it's just to remain consistent. Uh, we, we know how we're going to play. We know how we need to play. It's just about going on the road and executing that. It's interesting you've mentioned the the home and away differences quite a bit. And Scott and I have touched on that quite a bit as well in the pod this year. Why do you – what's the difference? I mean, there's obviously the home field advantage. But, I mean, take mm-hmm. that one step further for me. Why is there such a substantial difference in performance when you're home and when you're on the road? And I'll be honest. Uh, <laughs> if I could figure that out, I would be the first person to change it. Um, Fair. For us, yeah, I just – I don't know if it's the travel. I don't know if it's, you know – guys want to be home i have no idea uh, i'll be honest with you there it's just sometimes luck is is in your favor and you know for us i feel like luck hasn't necessarily been in our favor on the road this this year so hopefully you know we can we can change that these next couple of games and into the you know into the future a uh, a lot a lot happened in these next few weeks and into november chris i this was awesome i'm, I'm so glad that you were able to take <laughs> the time to to stop in and chat with us and we really really enjoyed having you on and i think i can say for everyone here in the room that we are really looking forward to seeing what austin bold can can turn these next few weeks i mean thank you guys for having me it's always a pleasure um I got, a, I got a headband headed you guys' way. Love that. <laughs> mm, I'll, I'll DM you my address after this. Sounds, sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. Chris, thanks for stopping in. All right, you guys have a good one. Hi, this is Meg Linehan of The Athletic, and you're listening to Steal Some Time. We are back on in to steal some time. Absolutely loved having Chris Tierpak in. Killed it. Headband king. Dude, how cool was he though? I mean, just super genuine. Has he feels like he's been in front of the mic his whole life? I yeah. mean, he just he knew what he was doing. Well, and for a 27 year old, I think he has a long future in soccer in mm-hmm. any capacity. Yeah, and love that he's steering that ship yep. over in Austin. It's he, he's doing a heck of a job, and generally really excited to see if they can put you know add on to that form that they have going right now, especially on the road. And if anyone has any ideas on how to help Austin on the road. Send send Chris a message. Yeah, yeah just DMs are open. Let them know. Let them know. Yeah, they got a big one on the road. On the road. Weekend. And we'll get to that. But before we do, let's talk a little bit about social media. And I don't think that you can be a sports fan and not have an idea of what's going on in the state of California right now. Mm. So, so for those of you who don't know, let me enlighten you real quick. Uh, on Monday, uh, the California governor, Gavin Newsom, signed a law into play that It pretty much makes California the first state to allow college athletes to receive endorsement deals. So this could even expand further upon um, paid youth in coach uh, positions or or signing autographs for money. Um, So a lot of things coming out of this bill. one of the bigger ones also being that it could really impact female athletes, give them some, um, you know, opportunities because as, as a, professional for women and you there are limited opportunities um there's there's also it's this is there's a lot of layers into into this bill um one one thing that i really want to get at is that the ncaa has come out and and they are not a fan they they are calling the move unconstitutional um i i i have one concern so i am a uc basketball fan through and through this past year, Mick Cronin decided to leave UC and go to UCLA. So initially, what comes to mind for me 
is there now going to be more of a reason for college athletes to go to California or for college coaches to recruit to California because they know they will be able to get compensated rather than, you know, going to Louisville, going to UC, going to Memphis, you know, wherever it may be. Indiana. You know. Indiana. I mean, yes. um, Yes, so that that's my initial concern. No, is the answer. Okay, though. Scott Stew. Once the NCAA bans all California schools from playing in the NCAA tournament and or being eligible for a bowl, then no one will go to the state of California for their games and or tuition. So that's where we're at. So you well, think it'll come down to that? I do. I think the NCAA will take every necessary measure and pull out every single stop. This is the NCAA. This it's, is an organization with years yeah. of checkered history. It's a standoff. Like it's, yeah. a, it's a standoff waiting to happen. And because the NCAA, at least on the surface, their their purported interest is the level playing field. Right? Yep. Right. There's plenty of cynicism behind all that, and you can take that way down the rabbit hole. And obviously, there's a lot that goes beyond that, but. On the surface, the intent is level playing field. They're not going to allow a situation where the playing field is intentionally not level. Right. So there is going to be a showdown happen, coming, and the result may, end up very, may very well be no one from the state of California is a part of the NCAA. I mean, you get enough states to participate in legislature like this, and then the dynamic changes. So I think we're just looking at a tipping point. I mean, this is significant in that we could be looking at the broken mold of collegiate athletics as we know it right now. We could also be looking at absolutely nothing but fluff on paper right now. So I think there will be a tipping point. I think the NCAA and its iron fist will stay steadfast, and we'll just we'll see. It's significant, though. It's big. Yeah, I think in the next 10, 20 years, we're going to see a significant shift in college athletics and the way that athletes are I want to use the correct word, compensated mm. for their likeness. Yeah. Um, I I get where Newsom's coming from. I mean, the whole th- I mean, he played he played college ball at Santa Clara. I mean, he he is a former college athlete. I think the whole reasoning behind this is to provide athletes with equal opportunity, especially for those who come from you know difficult backgrounds. Which I, t- I totally get. Um, not sure if this is the the correct avenue for that. I think it's important to be having this conversation though. Absolutely, there has to be that initial nudge or shove, right. violent shove sometimes to make things happen. And the reality is change rarely happens immediately in any circumstance, in any situation in life. So it's the gradual, eventual change, but it starts with someone making that first violent shove in a direction. And this is this may be it. Yeah, it feels like the NCAA has slammed the door shut on all previous attempts, but the state of California got their foot in on the edge just before the door closed, and they're like, hang on. We have a couple more things to say. So really interested to follow this one. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely makes for good talking points for, for people like us. I just hope it leads to me being able to get NCAA football on my <laughs> Xbox uh, again. And you could play as Reggie Bush instead of running back number five, eventually. What a hard life you guys must live. Oh, I know. Trust me. Elsewhere across social this week, though, I think that we have to give um, some shouts to Phoenix Rising. They they clinched the the title, the regular season title this week on the road in Albuquerque. Did something truly unique, though. They brought in their supporters into the locker room 
as they were, you know, popping the champagne and, and all and celebrating and all of that. So Phoenix put out a bunch of, of really cool videos um, as all of this was going down. And you've really got the supporter section going like at the drums in the locker room. You know, Solomon Asante like having a bottle of champagne, pumping it up and down. I'm like, you just you can't like make this stuff up, you yep. know, <laughs> this this is so good. Um, and then you have Didier Drogba quote tweeting the whole thing saying that maybe I'll bring the boots back out for the final game. Now everyone's just shook. Phoenix, you're you're killing us here. Oh, it's Drogba doing the same thing he did last year, right? With come retirement time of maybe not. Oh, maybe. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> someone, PR someone remind, Scott has entered the building. Someone remind DDA of the roster freeze last <laughs> Friday night. That's all I'm going to say. No, um, I think that it, personally, I know there's been some mixed opinion on it. I think it's cool that Phoenix has developed a relationship that um, yeah. symbiotic with their fans, that it is truly like a, we're here for you, you're here for us. They celebrate together. They win together. I mean, they've they've done a really good job of making that club something organic. And I think if the players are cool with it, if, if the coach is cool with it, if the front office is cool with it, then you're just waiting and yeah. at that point. What a beautiful way to reward your fans for making the trip to oh, yeah. Albuquerque. Absolutely. You know, you, you know a little bit about Phoenix fan, celebrating with their fans after a game, don't you? Kelsey? Yo, they they are intense. Uh, <laughs> we'll just I Chris Cortez saved my life in the 2018 Western Conference Final, and I owe everything to him to this day. And, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, DM me. I'll shoot you the video. Uh, I, I just I owe him everything. The bodyguard. Matt's laughing, but Chris literally had his like night. he was I like covering laughing. me at this point because every, like all the Phoenix fans are trampling. I mean, they're pumped. I'm I get it. I get the fandom. I mean, but like a part of me, I was like, this might be the end. We we might lose me tonight. <laughs> May not make it to Louisville next week. <laughs> Get to Louisville next week. So, Phoenix, congratulations for from all of us here, and um, love seeing the uh, all the celebrations on social. Truly cool. Let's talk week ahead, Scott. Week thirty-one. We are dwindling down here. The weeks left. October twentieth is when it all ends. You guys, we are. We are so close to the end. 20 days. 20 days. There are six days of week 31 we have action as well. So seven days this week, <laughs> six of those uh, USL championship action on. So if you, you need something to do, like just turn on ESPN+. Plus. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, and it's going to start a, the big the big ones with the night soccer. ESPN3, Fresno is visiting uh, El Paso or, excuse me, hmm. El I'm all, I'm all over the place. El Paso, Fresno, going at it on ESPN3. This one's going to be super interesting, especially with the run that we're starting to see here with El Paso as well. And Fresno coming off a loss. I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely curious of what the result could be out of Wednesday night, Scott. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Fresno's in in good shape in terms of they've clinched. They know what their uh, playoff future looks like, so that's obviously timely for them. Something about me just wants to keep plugging the little train that could yeah, storyline with locomotive, though. I mean, it just makes sense. They've they've had a really tough year. They've had some really high highs and some really low lows, and now they're at a stage where it's it's crunch time, and they need a conductor and Mark Lowry to get them there. They need the right people in the engine room to see them through this weekend, and they know that if they stay on track, 
they have an opportunity to reach their end destination, which is the playoffs. Are you, are you done? Can, can, that be, can that be the end of it? <laughs> are you good? I'm good. I How thought that long? was good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good. Do you need to choo-choo on that a little bit? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it some time. I'll, I'll steal some time in my head later. I, I can't it. with this guy. This is way too much. You've got to shut this that down. Wasn't planned. That wasn't planned. I just started thinking of train puns, all right? It happens. It happens. I'm a, listen, El Paso is really cool. They're a good organization. I'm, I'm looking forward to this game because it's a big opportunity for them. No more train jokes. Elsewhere across the league, we've got to talk about uh, quite a few matchups on Saturday that we have so many head turners. Birmingham and Charleston is going to be very good. Some implications with that game as Heard well. North Carolina clinches a playoff place with that game, regardless of the result. That is true. So they say. I heard that. You heard that as well. Um, so, yeah, playoff implications there. We also have St. Louis and Louisville. Louisville. Um, and we also. Battle, <laughs> Battle of the Blues. <laughs> Battle of the Lost and Confused. King's Cup, baby. I don't know. You got to love it. Um, and, of course, we have um, Las Vegas and San Antonio. Which is my match to watch that night? A mm. um, lot of implications around that one. So I think you look at a Las Vegas side that is extremely good at home. Very, very, very good. Um, and I mentioned it earlier in the episode, but you have a San Antonio side that is very, very, very bad away. Um, two games away, to be precise. Um, these two clubs are both on that on that 10, you know, team line. They're both trying to make it above that line. So you have a a lot really riding on this game. That said, I think if San Antonio can take three points away at Cashman Field, oh my, like I'll take back everything I say, you know, because that takes away from everything else that you've done on the road this season, at this point in the season, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, Vegas are like on a thread in terms of playoff hopes. So Mm -hmm. this is a a big Saturday for them. Um, San Antonio, I mean, we're just getting to a stage, and this is the best part of the season, we're getting to a stage where teams in that position just know it's win or bust, guys. And so this is when we get our maybe not always as high octane as we want it to be because some teams are a little bit more methodical about how they approach these final games. But this is when we certainly get the most intense period of soccer. It's interesting, too, because we had so many uh, late-game winners this past week and week 30. It makes you wonder, is is that there? It, is the whole the gravity of the playoffs just starting to be more prevalent? And there's just pressing more and more towards these few these last final minutes, whereas they might not have pressed so hard, you know, uh, the first quarter of the season. It's a good question. I don't have the answer, but um, I, I do. I do think it's a good, <laughs> good talking. I do point. think that any one of those players that steps out there and says we're not thinking about a playoff place, we're only thinking about ninety minutes, is lying. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a PR move. Yeah. <laughs> Week thirty one is going to be good. I again, more and more teams now getting that that place where they can possibly clinch. We mentioned North Carolina. Um, We're ready. You guys need to deliver, and and we're moving right on in to the 2019 postseason. But before we do that, Matt Calvo has a question for our shots fired today, and uh, Kelsey Steele has uh, got to redeem herself. So I've got my work cut out for me. Shout out to the offer to phone a friend for you on Twitter. Yeah, I feel like that is like – the lowest of the lows that could happen for me at this point that people are acknowledging how awful my performance has been. 
Uh, we had a food question last last week, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Two, two, we had. A food, I tried to put it on a tee for you. And I know you. I, whenever the last. I don't remember. Whenever the last food question, I try to put that. Like that's that's usually Kelsey's wheelhouse. Sure. I love to eat, man. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm trying again to to uh, because I am empathetic mm. toward you uh, to put it on a tee for you this week, and we're going to go in the realm of social media. Oh. Um, I don't know if it was just a phenomenon just this particular Friday or what the deal was, but it seemed like everybody that I'm I was that I am connected to on social media this past Friday was using the phrase Friday. <laughs> yeah. All day Friday to the point where like I'm I'm done. Enough that phrase needs to stop and go away. No more Friday. Okay? It's over. I'm okay with this. I wasn't all that thrilled about it to begin. Like I'm like, yeah, for, okay, I get it. It's mildly clever. Yeah. I, but I was like, by this, I don't know what it was this last Friday, but I was like, Friday needs to end. You'll have points in time where you see brands just desperate for content, for, like especially on Fridays too, when you're just trying to make it, like especially they have games on Saturdays, things like that. So Friday is like, okay, cool. I can like post a funny picture of like one of our guys flexing or something and hashtag it Friday. And that's my content for the next two and a half hours. Like that's, I think that's where we're at. I was, I was, I'm done with Friday. Yeah. All right. I'm on. So, so today's topic is what are you done with on social media? Oh, Mm. So here's the T, Kelsey, and there's the ball oh. right can on I, it. Can I pull up a tweet that I put out this past week to reference? To, to reference what you're tired of? What, what, yeah, yeah, what I'm tired of. Yeah, yeah. Just give me, give yeah. me a hot sec. Wow, she came prepared. <laughs> because I, had, I came into the office last week talking about this, and it just grinded my gears. <laughs> Let me get through all of these um, absurd Bengals tweets. in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know what grinds my okay. gears? Um, so Scott gets the right of first refusal. No, let her go. Yeah. Uh, you ready? Right. Yes. Okay, go. I am sick and tired of the unoriginality that we have with social media brands. On September 24th, you had uh, the Chargers come out with a really cool tweet with their header and like they couldn't fit their their QB and this, uh, this nun in it. And they were like, oh, quote tweeted, I think we figured it out. Check our profile. And then an hour and a half later, you have the Indians do the same exact thing with one of their players. Quote tweeted, said, think we got it. Check our header. People thought they were so funny. And I'm like, yo, they literally just caught Copy the Chargers. Be original. Originality. Or lack of originality. Ow. Kelsey is done. Yeah, no, I just, originality. just If me. I can bottle that up, can summarize it yeah. all in, into one thing. I, think I just tore my ACL during the argument. <laughs> Very impassioned. <laughs> Fired up. Oh you hurt yourself physically. All right, Scott, are you ready with your what are you done with on social media? Sure. <laughs> Doesn't inspire confidence. Go. Social media as a whole can't be done away with. So I think if I had to pinpoint something, it's probably like all of these, uh, God, I'm going to really make myself sound like an old curmudgeon here, but probably all these like kids phrases like mood, like, oh, that's such a big, like big mood. Like vibes, vibes. Like just like words, man, (laughs) they matter. They have meaning. They have dictionary definitions often. And more often than not, I see these terms being abused for what they were not intended for. Should I tell him that we had a conversation just two days ago where you said vibes and I said mood? Ah, good. Good stuff, guys. Bring it to real life. That's what we need more of, clearly. I'm dying. 
I, it's so funny too. I was on the uh, in the car on the way to work the other day, and um, the the DJ had mentioned something about um, there were like two thousand plus words added to the dictionary. That number could be like way off, but um, just some like like dad jokes was added to the dictionary. Mm. Some just like really crazy words that I didn't realize you could actually define, um, which I feel like goes right in line with your argument, Scott. But like dad jokes, like mood and vibes aren't like dad jokes. Those are just like, I'll, I'm not even going to continue that sentence. I think that, uh, I think dad jokes are great. I'm clearly, as was with my train reference, just reference set earlier in this show. I'm totally cool with dad jokes and puns. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Punch my ticket on that one. I'm all in. However, I think the kids these days are just taking it a step too far. And we're, we're getting to a point where I just, I don't even know if I can relate anymore. No TikTok for Scott. No, no, I actually love TikTok. I just, I'm on there. I look at the videos and I get about five in and I'm like, I need to read a book or something to like cleanse my brain. Bravo to Scott for dropping the kids these days. Thank you for using that phrase. Dude, I'm a, I'm a fan of listening to the kids, bro. But like we have limits. We are adults in society. Honorable mention and big shout out for dropping the kids these days. Thank but, you. Um, Kelsey just needs a win. That's all right, man. No, I understand. no, 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 no. I don't want a pity win. Give me, give <laughs> no, me a give win. Me win. No, I deserve. Like, you brought the heat. You physically hurt yourself. <laughs> I did. I, I, I've got an orthopedic appointment on Friday. You physically hurt yourself in the process. You brought the heat. It, you, you brought the heat like you haven't in a while. Thank you. So, uh, Kelsey Steele will, will take home the win this week. <sighs> Guys, this has been a long time coming. I would it's like momentous. to thank you all for, for bearing through this really detrimental time for me and my ego. We're going to have the form up on the on the USL form. The uh, form the, guide? The form guide. They have Kelsey's form up there. Yes. Yeah. Actually, that'd be a pretty sweet addition. I know Mark is capable of many things, and that's probably one of them. Yeah, don't put that idea in his head. <laughs> Guys, week 31 is well underway. Lots going on this week. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for catching Chris and uh, enjoying our, our chat with him. Looking forward to seeing what Austin does the rest of the season. Uh, we'll, we'll catch you next Tuesday for week 32 play. Until then, Kelsey Steele, Scott Stewart, Matt Cavo, we will catch you next time.